All right, so we are on Collins Conversations. I always let the guests introduce themselves, let everybody know who you are, what you do, and kind of what brought you here today. Uh, my name's Peso. Um, from Asheville, Ohio. That's about an hour from here. Um, I'm a hip-hop artist, painter. Uh, I've been dabbling in directing my own music videos. Um, I got started by linking up with my homie Seth. I'm part of this collective called Feed the People. Mm -hmm. uh, based out of Garfield, my homie Seth started it. Uh, he, um, you know, kind of like brought p different people in. It's like a little label collective. Uh, he brought in our homie Tone and then hit me up on Twitter. I met him through SoundCloud and kind of brought me into there. So it's kind of what's been going on. It's like how we started. Has music always kind of just been like your language of communication? Has it always just been running through you or did it start later in life? Kind of where did music start for you? Honestly, when I was a kid, yeah, like just falling in love with music. Um, I always had like just kind of like a passion for music. I always loved it. I always felt like it was something I connected with and drawing. But uh, I started dabbling in it maybe like eighth grade my freshman year. Just buying like a shitty $150 mic. Hundred dollar mm -hmm. mic, maybe even less, and uh, just ripping beats off YouTube and recording and stuff. It was never some like early on. It was never something like I took super serious. It was just something I loved to do. And uh, in Ashtabula, there was like a little rap scene bubbling up. Ashtabula has always been known for like their post hardcore scene. Like we really had like a dope punk and post hardcore scene. Like kids putting money together to buy like rundown spaces like we had this space called west end and uh these um two dudes from this band um damn i can't even think of the name off top uh they ended up buying that space and hosting free metal shows and post hardcore shows and we had like a little rap scene bubbling up like a bunch of kids that were at different high schools and like we had like the quote-unquote ogs who kind of like were like the main ones of the rap scene and uh, yeah, just I remember one time linking up with all, everybody in the city at Taco Bell. <laughs> and we were trying to plan like a cipher and stuff. It was cool. Like back then, it was cool. It was definitely it's definitely something I think about all the time because I'm like, damn, like, um, you know, I wish like a lot of them people don't even do it no more. I wish like they would have kept with it because it was just cool. Like being young, like 14, 15, like there was this little scene that was starting to bubble up and. Um, and then, yeah, like when I turned 18, I came out here, I moved here after I graduated and, uh, the first couple months I was living here, I wasn't really thinking about music cause I was going to Cleveland state. I was trying to, you know, take that serious cause I didn't think music or like art and films and stuff were like something I could really do. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know anybody out here that could link me up to anybody else to mm -hmm. start doing that. So, um, but the first day I ended up meeting this kid, Tristan, he was a producer. He had like a studio set up in his dorm room and uh, I would link with him all the time and just kind of sit, watch him make beats, kind of, you know, pitch ideas or whatever on beats. And I ended up telling him after a while, like months, like, oh yeah, by the way, like I, I rap a little bit, you know, I rap a little bit. And he's like, oh, shit, you rap, man. He's like, I've been trying to find someone to rap on on my beats or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, so I just started rapping on his beats. And uh, I tried to put, it, like, a project together. I, I put a project. Like, it was my first project, but I don't really count it because I was still, like, dabbling in 
what I was doing, but uh, we ended up uh, finding Seth's music on SoundCloud and we fucked with it and we sent him some records that I did and he liked them and uh, yeah, reached out. I reached out to him to get a feature on that project and he uh, hit me back and was like, man, you should, you should join this, you should join Feed the People or whatever. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. I ended up, um, Tristan ended up moving to LA and uh, I ended up moving back to Ashtabula from Cleveland for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And um, I was couch hopping from like August to November. So I was like, I had like, I had like a routine. So like Sunday I'd go get clothes from Ashtabula. I packed like a big bag of clothes. And then uh, the girl I was talking to at the time, I'd stay at her house with her cousin. And then uh, if nobody was gonna be there, I didn't feel comfortable staying there by myself. So if nobody was there, I'd go to my cousin's house in Lakewood or uh, my homie Alex's house in Lakewood, or I'd go to um, Chagrin and drive all the uh, Uber out there <laughs> and stay there and then have to Uber back to North Homestead. That's where she was staying. And then, you know, I was doing that until I ended up getting my first apartment and then I was able to link with everybody all the time. So if somebody's never heard your music before, how would you describe it to them? I probably, it's hard, when you ask an artist that, it's kind of hard, because, like, I just make the music, you know? I feel like everybody else is, it's whatever they decide. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a hard, at least personally for me, I have a hard time labeling, like, what my music sounds like. But if I had to say something, like, just, like, different, just, like, um, little psychedelic, like, I love jazz music, so I try to incorporate jazz into it. Um, it's still hip hop at the root of it all. Like it's hip hop. Like people always say, like, oh, what kind of genre? What genre are you? What genre do you think you are? Right. And it's like um, hip hop, you know. And it's like nowadays, hip hop, you know, can be so much different things. But at the end of the day, it's still hip hop, still rap. People mm -hmm. just incorporate different genres into their things. And uh, at least recently, I've tried to incorporate like 1960s, like psychedelic rock. Did you end up listening to that uh, Amber Ice song? Huh? Did you end up listening to Amber Ice? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear that similarity there? Yeah, it was it was a slowed down sample on it, as far as I see. Yeah, I was listening to that when I was working the other day, and I was like, I know I've heard this melody somewhere. Like, I know it yeah. might not be the, like it was driving me nuts. I was like, I know it's a Wiz Khalifa song somewhere, and I was like, all right, he didn't respond. Now I gotta go through all the fucking. That's funny too, cause like I used to listen to that mixtape all the time, Taylor Alderice. Yeah, it might have just been something that hits you sub subliminally. You're like, oh wait, I, I, I like that sound. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, um, for as far as I see, um, I was going through like all these different samples from like the 60s and stuff and I ended up coming across, I can't think of it, but it was this French composer. I used to have it saved in my phone. I don't know where it went, but um, yeah, that, that song Amber Ice was just a slowed down. The same sample, it was just slowed down. It's funny how your your brain, either an image or a sound, is just after you've heard something so many times, you're like you just associate it. it yeah, like right yeah, there. yep. Let's go into part of getting on the show is actually having people take the couple seconds out of their time, which we always appreciate to submit questions, whether it's video or um, through just about any way. But getting the fans involved. Um, so for the segment that we call from the fans, let's pull up a couple of these questions. Mm -hmm. We're just going to watch them real quick and then just answer the question. Um, to the best of your ability. Um, as a creative, I'm wondering a little bit about your process. Were there any 
maybe unexpected pleasant surprises as you created your album something that you thought wasn't going to work and then really wound up working and what did that transformation look like uh it's funny that's uh my engineer zach's sister mm -hmm. so she kind of got to witness like all the recording but um something that kind of like i didn't think was me and zach didn't think this pro the sound we were going for i knew it was going to work <laughs> but uh, Zach didn't think it was going to work at first. And uh, he was in Pittsburgh, L.A. at the time. And he moved to Pittsburgh. And I was back home in Ashtabula. And uh, so, like, a lot of the communication on pitching, I, like, t me telling him, like, this is the sound I want to go for. Um, this is kind of what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to do, this kind of theme, the concept, was over the phone. So, like, I couldn't really show him what I was trying to do. I just could only tell him. And, uh, you know, he was kind of like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I don't know if that's a jam, I don't know if that's going to work. And um, in May, I went up to, I had most of the project, probably like 85% of the project written. And uh, I went up to Pittsburgh for a weekend for three days to record. And that le week recorded like 24 hours straight like every day like there was like maybe two hours to sleep like mm -hmm. we go to sleep at like three in the morning wake up at like seven and drink coffee get some breakfast and then start recording and i think after that session we kind of looked at each other and we're like damn it worked like <laughs> shit like so that was like something big too because we played everything we recorded that weekend back from top to bottom and we were like fuck like we did it like this 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 is what we were, what I was going for, and we nailed it to the best of our ability. So that was something big, at least for me. And I know Zach, cause he told me, he's like, man, I didn't think it was gonna work. He's like, he's like, when he's, cause that was his first time hearing the album when I went up there and we recorded, that was his first time hearing the album. So yeah, that was big. Nice. Let's go into our second question. All right, all right. So I got a little bit of uh, unfair advantage here because I might have seen some things, heard some things, you know. But my question to you is, what's next? Uh, the project is coming out within the next couple of weeks. So that's kind of what I'm focused on as of now. But after um, me and my homie Jason, uh, we got plenty of like visuals that we've been planning and working on. Um, I got some merch lined up, hard copies of the project. You know, just little tangible things for people mm -hmm. that come with the project release. But as far as, like, after rolling this project out and seeing what people do or people how people hear it or take it in, um, I don't know, just getting ready to start a new one. Like, I feel like every time I drop a project, it's like I get this, like, weird, anxious feeling. Like, shit, what's next? Like, what do I got? Like, what's the next part? I'm always trying to work on something because when I'm not working on something, I feel kind of, like, lost. Like, I feel bored and, like... I totally get that feeling. Yeah, like, I need to work on something. So, but there's some things planned. The homie Seth, me and Seth got some shit planned uh, together that I think is going to be fire. Uh, we'll pull one other one. We had a, a text question come in from Lucky wants to know... Um, you kind of touched on this before. Um, you, you're going to be releasing your project soon. Um, does releasing it in a time of the COVID pandemic um, and all the other crazy things that are going on, how has that impacted the overall vision for the project? <laughs> um, uh, so when all the George Floyd stuff was going on, that's what it says, right? Too? Yeah. Yeah. So when all this stuff started going on, um, that definitely affected the 
project in the sense like I didn't feel comfortable putting anything out mm. during that time. Um, I didn't. Uh, I had converse. I had to call up some of the homies and just kind of get their opinions because I just wasn't. I just didn't feel comfortable dropping some shit, you know, and um, taking people's attention away, you know, from mm -hmm. what was going on. I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I feel like I kind of put a pause on the project. I think I still dropped some singles, but I didn't really push them, you know, crazy just because of what was going on. Um, me and Jason at that time, I uh, had an idea to just like do a barbecue real quick and raise some money for some of the... Um, different organizations that were like you know mm -hmm. like hands-on with some of them things and uh so we just did this barbecue raised like two thousand nice. dollars yeah we planned it in a week and uh we posted on facebook and all these people were trying to donate like mm -hmm. you know and so that was cool and um yeah that kind of helped pass the time while i waited i just i don't know i just like i said i just didn't feel comfortable dropping so it kind of put a pause on things so do you have any rituals for your uh, music creation and how do you beat writer's block is what they want to know. Okay, so ritual-wise, um, I have a process that uh, Zach says is ass-backwards, but uh, <laughs> I, whenever I go into a project, I always have the cover art done first. That's okay. the first thing I have done, the title and the cover art. And I feel like the ti having the title and the cover art done, that kind of dic dictates uh, where the project's going to go. So... Um, when I when the, when I'm looking at the cover, uh, the beats that are going to be on the project have to match the colors on the cover. Um, I don't know, it's just super weird with me. Like if the beat does not give me the the feeling of what the cover gives me, mm -hmm. then it can't be on the project. Um, so that's so having the cover done and the title that lets me know like where my head's at mentally to write the music like what do what are some of the things i'm trying to hit on what are some of the things going on with me personally that i'm trying to you know um get across for the listener but as far as like uh creating an atmosphere on the project with the sound and the beats uh yeah man the production just has to give me uh um the feeling that the cover gets like i have to see those colors um and then writer's block uh i've had we've me and the homies had plenty of conversations about this and uh i feel like we've always come down to the um the same answer and that's um you can't really have writer's block when you're um well you can but you know you're writing from your life and you know you're always constantly living so you can't really you know you got plenty of things to pull from especially this year there's been so much shit you can write about you know mm -hmm so much shit going on and it's affecting everyone differently but uh <clears throat> i feel like what writer's block is is like when you know what you're trying to say but you don't know how to say it mm -hmm. so i guess you know that's always the hardest part figuring out how you want to say something and um i just let time dictate you know where i'm gonna go i don't try to force anything i'm not you know if i'm having writer's block then i just let it chill like i don't need to work on it at that point right now uh, it's it's funny that they asked that that's been a topic that's been covered on the show quite a few times by both authors Writers musicians block. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um 
I think the best answers I've heard for beating writer's block are to either, you have to either gain life experiences, like kind of like you said, if if you don't know what to write about, you either have to go do something else yeah. or go look at the same thing you've done from somebody else's perspective. Yeah. Um, Curly Chuck was on the show a long time ago, and he said that the way he beats it is um, he just makes sure that he writes something every day. Mm. So it might not, like you said, it might not be the idea that he's trying to figure out might not get finished, but he'll do something different. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And like shit, yeah, just go outside, man. Just go outside, go do something. Cause I guarantee you're an artist, man. You go outside, you take a fucking. There's been plenty of times I had to take the RTA all around Cleveland, and I'd be on that bitch and just see some shit and just start writing. Right. You know, it it, it don't that shit might not even make a song or project, but just the fact that you know it got written down, I could use that shit later. Yeah, it's just a new way to work that uh, that music muscle. Yeah. Um, that that kind of takes another question I love figuring out for musicians because whenever I make content, as soon as it's edited and I think it's even halfway decent, I'm like, put it out. Yeah. Uh, musicians are not that way. Mm -hmm. um, the ability to have an idea and just sit on, either make it and sit on it or kind of be able just to slowly work on it is really impressive to me. Yeah. How do you know when a song is ready? Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a hard, see, I don't know, with artists, man, um, it's like a painting, bro. You just want to keep, you know, I paint too. So there'd be plenty of times I'd finish a painting and I'd hang it up. Mm -hmm. And if I felt any type of weirdness about it, like that painting was getting painted over or it was getting something added to gotcha. it. Gotcha. And uh, I feel like music's the same way, at least for me. Like I treat music the same way. There's been plenty of times where Zach had to be like, all right, bro, this song's done. You know, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't need to add to this song anymore. But, uh, I feel like that's one of that's a good thing and a weakness for me at least is mm -hmm. uh constantly um trying to add stuff that don't need to be added or right you know but yeah yeah I always um at least this project this project took like a year and a half just working on this some of these songs I had written last fall mm -hmm. and just this whole year at least I had all the project recorded in a may and then this whole year we've kind of just been refining the songs and just adding instruments so i hit this dude up jordan nelson from pittsburgh and he laid guitar on the project and just got background vocals from different artists and stuff so that's awesome yeah so that explains how you know when a song's ready but um how do you know the difference of if you want to put something out as a single versus as an album or as an ep or just as a, a short film instead of just doing the music how do you know uh, what the best route for the release is going to be? Uh, that's something I kind of had to figure out with trial and error. Uh, with my last project, I didn't really have like a release planned out, and I mm. feel like that was kind of like, in a way, a downfall of like getting people to hear it. Was I didn't really have a rollout plan. I didn't have no visuals or none. I just kind of dropped the project. And with this one, um, I think last summer I kind of just. Uh, I had such a clear vision of like what I wanted this project to sound like and what I wanted to talk about that um, I just knew like uh, I was making an album, you know, and I was going to spend time making an album and uh, I wasn't going to drop anything until I knew something was ready to be dropped. And the first single I dropped off it was We're Still Alive and that was something I made um, like the middle of last year maybe last spring 
And uh, it was just something to throw out there. I haven't dropped in a while. So I dropped that in June. And then the last time I dropped music was last April. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just felt like oh, this is something I can throw out there real quick. And, you know, let people know I'm still here. You know, I'm still working. And then, um, but like the main singles off the album was Pink Water and As Far As I See. And I feel like those were just two songs that like, I was just like, ugh, like I, the people need to hear these. I need to put these out immediately. Gotcha. Um, what also dictates something, you said that you kind of see the cover first. Um, how do you know if you want to make a video for something or just leave it as an audio? Um, with Pink Water, um... I think I just had an idea for the sound of that. Like, I, from the sound of that song, it just gave me the, like, idea for the visuals. Mm -hmm. So, like, with that with that music video, I did kind of, like, um, I thought it'd be cool. Because the, the song's kind of funky. It's got, a, like, a little groove to it. And um, I thought it would be cool to do something like, uh, like a Weekend at Bernie's. You ever mm -hmm. seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, do a Weekend at Bernie's with, like, just, like, a horror film twist to it. So we try to make it like creepy. Um, that was my my girlfriend uh, in the video, and uh, I thought it'd be just, you know, I like the way she looks, and I thought it would just be seeing her as a serial killer would be cool. And just <laughs> seeing her, you know, going on dates with this like rotted corpse would be funny to me, just cool. And um, yeah, that was one of the songs I just know had needed a visual, just because it just. At that time, it just sounded like the biggest song on the record, mm -hmm. and it needed some um, visually to go with it. Who, who does your videos? It was um, ah, my homie Jason. What's the name that comes up on them? I'm drawing a blank. Dark Tree Studios. There it is, Dark Tree Studios. What can you tell us about Dark Tree Studios? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So the beginning of this year, uh, my homie Jason started this. He, you know, he's been wanting to start a film company for a minute. And he started Dark Tree maybe a couple years ago, but, um, you know, he was doing like little videos and doing mm -hmm. little photo shoots for people. And, uh, you know, I, I've never really put visuals out and that's like one of my closest friends. So, you know, he's trying to start his film company, but he didn't really have a lot of people he would, to shoot. He didn't, you know, he was still in the early stages. And I was like, damn, man, I was like, I need visuals, you need content let's work together mm -hmm. so our story is kind of funny too because we used to work at the same place we worked uh at this restaurant called becker's and uh i think we started like working together like in march of this year and uh at first it was like me just trying to get him out the house like man let's just go shoot some shit let's, mm -hmm. if it looks like shit it looks like shit let's just you know just trying to get him to pick up the camera and um uh when we were working at becker's when we started like actually getting in the groove of like working together and like uh having similar tastes and like really you know like so we would work till like 11 o'clock but the whole time we're at work i'm like i was a server he was a cook so i was leaning across the mm -hmm. thing where they set the food and i was like damn we should we should go here tonight and try and shoot something like this and we get bitched at you know, because we're sitting there pitching ideas while right. we're working. And then we get off work. I go home, change, shower, and then go to pull up to his house. And then we'd uh, go wherever we were planning to shoot that night, shoot, come back to his spot and edit till like 6 in the morning. And then I'd go home and we'd pass out and do the same shit tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, we just built like a cool chemistry. And, you know, he, his um, uh, 
companies starting to like you know get a lot of traction in terms of like people paying him all the right. time yeah someone just paid him to go out to vegas to shoot a video and that's the dream yeah <laughs> yeah right uh give us one more person that uh creatively either locally or somebody that's in your circle um that needs more recognition kind of the same way that you just uh gave dark tree a shout out uh i mean there's too many but feed the people man like in general mm. you know my homie zoe he produced five songs off the project best producer in cleveland one of the best at least there's a couple other i fuck with a lot but to me he's he's definitely top three producers in cleveland he can just he can he's like a chameleon man he can blend his sound into yours or he just he can hear some of your music and know exactly what kind of beats you would like and what you know he can mold his sound into yours um seth uh, you know that's my brother um i think he's one of the best rappers in cleveland period uh he's always inspiring me me and him got like this little little competition but we love each other's music but you know if i if i can outdo seth on a verse then you know i'm all right right you know and that's hard to do you know he wraps his ass off and tone tone's amazing poet um rapper first poet second um he's got a book out got another book coming you know we we uh tim tim's got his own clothing brand his own studio um he shoots pictures for damn near every rapper in cleveland um graphic designs for damn near every rapper you know we just got a sick ass collective and you know it started out as just some brother shit mm -hmm. you know family shit and you know we really do this and i feel like we need our roses and uh, Feed the People uh, is also, you guys do a lot of charity stuff too, don't you? Yeah, we've done a bunch of charity stuff for real. Did that just kind of, just the, the morals of the group was like, we need to do more than just make entertainment. We need yeah, to do something man. to really no, give back? Or? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, we, we're all very much alike, like-minded individuals. I think that's kind of what brought us together. But when it comes to giving back, man, we really, we really care about that shit. Like all of our first shows that we did were like, um bringing a uh, food bringing food to get in like we didn't all our shows were free you just had to bring in food and then we take that food to the food pantries and uh we did a toy drive and raised like fifteen hundred dollars worth of toys for the boys and girls club um yeah we've done we've done a bunch of shit we uh were a part of the tamir rice foundation they did a show at my halls i think we raised like fifteen hundred for that um that was with a bunch of other artists too um yeah, and then the barbecue, you know, that was a very, I mean, it was me, it was, you know, I was doing that back home, but, mm. you know, still feed the people, always, like, I have my feed the people shirt on, but yeah, we very much care about giving back, that's kind of like how, like, our first feed the people thing was giving back food downtown, Gotcha. whatever, so, yeah. So something else that I always talk about with musicians is amazing to me how many people are broke, starving musicians, but they don't have any platform to sell anything on and they don't really have an actual product. They're kind yeah. of just re relying on that Spotify stream or yeah. iTunes, whatnot. Um, what was the driving force that made you start a website? Because you have uh, peso.bandzoogle.com. Yeah, um, I think it was just something like I needed to do. Right. <laughs> like, like I said with my last shit, I didn't have nothing. I didn't think about that shit. I was always music art first. Like, that's my focus. I didn't care about none of that other shit. I just figured, like, the music would speak for itself, but that's just not the reality of things. Like, mm -hmm. you need to, you know, you can make a fucking amazing body of work, but if you're not pushing the shit, nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's right. going to care. 
you know so i feel like just kind of making myself a little more professional getting the website and getting my shit together would definitely you know <laughs> make a bigger impact than what i was making right you know, make people take me a little more serious um, and just kind of give someone give people a place where they can find all my shit right uh i'm trying to remember how banzoogle works you do they have a free plan is that why they still have the banzoogle in the name or is it just a, still the trial pre period for you uh i think it's still the trial period um you want to make sure that you pay the people and make sure that you get the peso.com the, um, yeah. the shortened url um just to help with not only people remembering it but the analytics side yeah. of that too um, but Banzoogle is phenomenal. Um, I make websites typically out of WordPress or um, different things like that for clients. And you cannot beat the price and the easy, how to, how easy it is to use Banzoogle. Yeah, no, it's super easy. Um, and where you really can't beat them is once you start selling music through your site, the, the processing fees are next to nothing. Where mm -hmm. in almost any other way that you could process it, you're going to lose way more money just getting it processed. Um, on Let's see, what do we have here? You said that you wanted to make kind of just the place where everything is. Um, what do you see coming from your website anytime soon? Are you going to kind of completely revamp it? Because you said that you're a very visual cover art person. Every project, are you going to revamp it? Or um, a as the artist that's getting into websites, what's your vision for your website? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely revamping it. Um, like I said, this is, the, uh, this is kind of the early stages. First time I ever made a website for myself. Uh, we just kind of always had the Feed the People website, but um, yeah, revamping it. Like I got a bunch of new shit coming that I'll probably post up. The media section will be looking much cleaner, much more full, bunch more visuals. And uh, I did a bunch of conversation pieces for the album, talking to like me and my engineer got one talking about like just the creative process we both had while making the album. And um, I got one with Jason. Um, talking about just like the visual aspects of the album. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I don't know how many people miss out on that opportunity. I always say every musician should have, like we were saying kind of before we started, that you should have a podcast. Yeah. Because if every project you do a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff like that, and then you could throw a clip of the song behind it, or there's yeah. so many ways to use that as your promotion. I mean, that's essentially all this show is, uh -huh. is asking you those same questions you could ask and just answer yourself into a camera. Yeah. But to have that footage yourself is huge. Yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely something I think I, that was early on that I wanted to do was just sit down and talk about the the album and stuff. I feel like that was another thing I needed to get, you know, better at was just mm -hmm. opening up and being like, you know, this shit's fire and this is how we made it. Right. Know? So that was always cool. And then the only other uh, thing on your website that I would recommend is actually making a form on the contact me part. Yeah. They should have that option available to you through Banzoogle. Um, this should be pretty easy for you to put in. Just so it's the easier it is for people to input a question or input booking information mm -hmm. or whatever, um, definitely makes it makes the difference. Who are these people in the background? Is that stock image or do you have a band I don't know about? <laughs> I think that's stock image. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a band. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, man, I know he has producers and everything. He's got a whole whole, whole band, band behind Shit, him. Man, that's the next step. Um, let's move into actually talking about a couple songs specifically. Um, what do you do uh, distribution-wise? Are you a, a distro kid? Or Yo, how do you fuck get your distro stuff kid. On? I was distro kid, but fuck distro kid. I want to hear it. What do, we, what do we not like about him? Oh, man. Every time I try... Uh, when I try to get these releases out, man, they fuck my shit up. They didn't even drop it. They didn't even drop it. And they said uh, they wouldn't answer me back at all. And they said uh, 
that due to like high volume of people like uploading music that that was, sounds weak they have one job yeah just put my shit put, out. put it up when you schedule I it right you pl- yeah i gave you plenty of time <laughs> so i switched over to tunecore and they did that shit in a snap and they answered me back every time i hit them up like, what, what oh, is shit, that tunecore yeah i'm not hip i gotta go, go look that one up yeah it's cool it's all right um so basically what i want to do now is essentially what you said that you already got done and we're going to try to compete with your own your own branding of it kind of go through um, a couple different songs that both you sent me and that we already have available to us on Spotify and whatnot. Um, kind of give us the behind-the-scenes story, uh, kind of the idea behind it, if there's any perspective that the, the listener might not catch or any influences that we might not have picked up on. Yeah. I, I never would have known that you were doing 1960s psychedelic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, uncovering those gems is what I want to figure out. Yeah. Um, let's start with what can you tell us about As Far As I See? Uh, as Far As I See... It started out as a, a collaborative beat from Zach or uh, uh, Zoe and this dude Sam who uh, used to work with us. And uh, it just, the first beat didn't come out right and I was pretty pissed off about it. And uh, I ended up finding this sample and it just like connected with me in terms of just the groove and the vibe and kind of the the atmosphere the sample was creating. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was something that Zoe um, could flip. And we, me and Zoe made it in like, 30 minutes we just threw the drums he made the drums real quick and we just you know played with it a little bit and uh i think i wrote most of the song that night um and i feel like it, it's definitely like one of them anchor songs on the project that i feel like um is a moment um i think that's why i wanted because i was initially going to save it for the album like i didn't i was i felt like it was one of them songs ah you gotta save this for the album mm-hmm. but uh it was just too good it was one it was one of mine zach and zoe's favorite songs off the album and i felt like people needed to hear it i feel like um like my one homie jason said he's like it's like riding in the desert you know that was the kind of groove that it was given like riding in the desert during sunset and lyrically um i think uh I just wanted to get out of my comfort zone a little bit um, and try to do something different. That's why on the first verse, it's a little more like kind of freely singing and stuff, like building a groove and not really rapping, just kind of freely singing and then um, progressing into the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually uh, a pointer. My homie Alex said, he's like, bro, this shit, because it didn't have a verse, second verse. Um and then uh, he was like, you know, I think you should add a verse. And I didn't really know where at first. And then I kind of found like a little pocket that I could put in. And we ended up just stretching the beat and throwing that. And then I recorded that and threw it in there. And it'll make a song way better. It was probably one of the more complex songs I did. I think it had like 48 um, stems in terms of like vocal stackings, and, mm-hmm. you know, which was like a big progression for me. Um trying to figure out just like because that was another thing i wanted to get better at going in this album was just songwriting in general and like structuring and arranging and i feel like that some this song was definitely something that showed like damn he got way better at that mm-hmm. and that was what i wanted the record to be do you have any formal training in in songwriting or com- composition or anything know. or nah. just all self-taught youtube yeah, so, and friends yeah, yeah. no it's just shit man i don't even well for this album just studying other you know my favorite artists so i like for this project i listen to a lot of queen the doors um beach boys elton john you know just because uh black sabbath just to listen to how they structured their songs and how mm-hmm. like their vocals were stacked and 
what kind of, you know, background harmonies they were doing and stuff. Just try and get some influence because that's where I was pulling from. Nice. I'm going to play a couple. Yeah, this is a bop. And this, uh, this sample here, this is the one that was some 1960s dude, right? Yeah, it was a French composer. I forget the fucking name of it. Where, where, do, where do you find samples? Do you go just looking for the oldest, randomest stuff you could find? Or, like, what's the process of you kind of looking for those sounds that you're um, already knowing? So, like, uh, I just kind of knew, like, 1960s psychedelic music was just something I grew up on from my grandma. Like, mm. she would always play The Doors, Pink Floyd, um, Jefferson Airplane and shit when I was a kid, you know, riding in the car with her. And uh, that was something that just, I was like, you know, that was always my shit and was a vibe that I just felt like wasn't done in hip hop yet. And um, so, like, looking for samples or whatever, I just knew, I just knew hella bands from that time. So, right. you know, like Iron Butterfly and Moody Blues and stuff, just diving in there and just going farther down the rabbit hole and finding shit I didn't know about and just listening. I listened to a fuck ton of music while, well, before I started making this. And I found a lot of them samples just diving on like YouTube psychedelic playlists and going through everything and shit until I found the right ones that hit me. Another cool thing, Jim Morrison has sampled throughout the album. He's sampled like five times. Was this uh, part of what you made in uh, that uh, marathon session in in uh, Pittsburgh? Hell yeah, dude. We did like eight records that weekend. I ended up doubling back in August for another weekend, and we just went through and polished polished uh, those ones up. Yeah. I, I asked that because it, uh, it's, it's funny how you go back way, way deeper to like the doors and whatnot, but... It, to know that it's made in Pittsburgh, like it has a very like Mac Miller feel to it, uh, kind of, and same like you kind of said how it's not just going right into the to the rap, like it's yeah. kind of not the same by any means, but a similar kind of the way that he progresses into from some singing into some some other things. Yeah, I used to hate that shit, uh, but now like I fuck with it. Um, hey, hey, what singing or no? Just getting the like, oh man, because I was in Pittsburgh one time, and well before that I would get the Mac Miller comparison all the time. And I, I was upset about it because I just thought it was a disservice to him. I was like, man, that's disrespectful as hell, you know? But, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite artists. And uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, a bunch of Pittsburgh kids like, bro, you remind me of Mac, you remind me of Mac. And I was like, fuck, man. I was like, damn. It just, Cause that was around the time he died and that was on Penn Ave. We had a show on Penn Ave. And uh, um, yeah, it was just dope. Like, you know, like now I kind of like, all right, appreciate you. You know, see, I, my my comparisons there are, you're both go, you're both pulling from the the jazz funks, kind of mm -hmm. like his Larry Lovestein type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also the the ability to go beyond the the typical box of hip hop. Yeah. Of kind of like you said in the beginning of this interview, kind of how it's you know you have this little box that everybody kind of associates as hip hop, but you could throw in this or that and make it a whole yeah, different thing. But it's still hip hop at the end of the day. And it's funny too that you hate comparisons because almost every one of these songs I, I've noticed a very <laughs> very strong similarity to a bunch of different artists. Yeah. Um. So we'll see if if you see if any of those same uh, same uh, influences come in here. Let's move on to Pinkwater. This is, I think, what I've seen, at least from numbers-wise, your most successful. Yeah. Um, it's also got the, the most unique vi visual for it. Yeah. Um, wh what can you give us on the behind-the-scenes of <coughs> Pinkwater? 
uh, Pink Water. Um, uh, so when I didn't have a beat for this song, um, I kind of uh, I wrote it without a beat, like the verse, the hook, like everything. And I remember sending a voice memo to Seth. And I was like, what do you think about this? You know, I don't got a beat for it yet, but what do you think about it or whatever? I had the whole song written besides like the outro. And uh, I ended up I ended up uh, getting in contact with this uh, dude, Zachary Williams from L.A. He goes by Blue Magic. And uh, um, he sent me some beats and Pink Water, the beat for Pink Water was one of them. And uh, I ended up recording that song. And that was that was one of our favorite records. That was hella people's favorite song off the, like when I was sending that shit to Seth or like all the people that like opinions I care about. Mm -hmm. When it comes to my art and music, uh, they were all jamming that. Like they were all loving that song. And um, that was one of the songs where I just feel like that was probably my most at the time recording that. That was probably my most different in terms of like I've you know never done like a. Uh, Seth told me one time his mom came downstairs when he was playing it uh, while they were all kicking it in his kitchen and she thought it was Funkadelic. <laughs> she was like, is this Funkadelic? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, this peso. And he told me that and I was like, damn, that's what's up. Because, you know, that's like the, the vibe, the time, like that time is what I was trying to inject into the album, just that early 70s, 60s. But uh, yeah, Pink Water was definitely one of them jams, man. Uh, in the outro, when you hear all the vocals stack, we didn't really know what to do at the end, but we knew we needed something. We needed like a cool little outro. We just didn't know what we wanted to do. And we were listening to it and listening to it. And I ended up just singing like a little melody, you know, trying to find something. He was like, oh, that. Zach was like, yo, that's it, that's it, that's it. He's like, you sing. So I did all my singing parts and then he went behind me and did all his and then I dubbed his and we were trying to do like a Beach Boys type thing. You mm -hmm. know how like they be stacking all their vocals, that barbershop quartet shit. Right. So yeah, we tried to do something like that at the end. And I feel like it was just a cool vibe, you know, fun record um, and just something I've never done before. I think that describes almost everything that you have is just that cool vibe and yeah. unique, unique to yourself. Um, before we d dive too much deeper in there, I don't want to get away from here and completely forget to, to get this good question. Every artist has a stage name. How did you come up with yours? Uh, so I used to play like hella soccer growing up. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I don't know, really. I think one day like people just started. Like, I'm Mexican. Mm -hmm. So like people just started calling me fucking peso on the <laughs> soccer field and that's just kind of what it was all through high school and shit was just like even in school like that's just what people called me so I, right. just, I was like fuck it man might as well not fix with it or fix what's not broken you might as well just run with it because everyone calls you it already that's a much better story than people that like make up their own name nah. like at least, <laughs> at least yours was given it you know mm -hmm. um yeah. but back in the pink water Oh, that's right, because I turned it down here, too. How long of a process was this? You said that you got the beat, and it was kind of a quick to record, but um, was it your, was it the typical length that it kind of takes you to make it? Did it come together quicker? Uh, Anything yeah, like that? Yeah, this one came together quick, because I already knew what I wanted to do. Like, I had, like, all the structuring, and, like, I knew where I wanted to let, dub my vocals and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I already knew what I wanted to do on this song, so... He just played the beat and I just knocked that shit out. 
it was more so the outro we were just sitting, but we we knocked that out in like 30 minutes. But yeah, yeah. No, this was one of the more, um, like this and as far as I see at that time were like our favorite songs because we just nailed them. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, as far as I see, was a little bit harder. It, that took a few, because I, I recorded that with Sam and then um, we didn't end up working with him no more. And I, rec I started that with Sam. So that was like the first initial idea. And then months later, I recorded it with Zach at his girlfriend Andrea's house. Andrea's actually on the project. Um, and uh, so I'm not the best singer. You know what I'm saying? So like I had to get a lot of singing lessons from Andrea. She's an amazing singer. And from Zach, too. Just like noticing. Because um, like I had like. A, I could carry melodies and stuff. But I, I wasn't hearing like when I was off key or like, gotcha. you know, what tone I was in. So they tried to, you know, they helped me throughout this project, like really um, figure the singing part out. Cause there is a lot of singing. Are you more comfortable rapping or singing? Uh, rapping, but with this project, I feel like I'm really comfortable singing now. Like when it comes to hooks and stuff like, or just melodies, like I can come up with a melody quick now, mm. you know, but yeah, you know, I. Being honest with yourself, you know, there's always things you can work on. I can get way better at singing, right. you know, you know, just like figuring I'm starting to understand my voice a lot more. So that's making me a lot more comfortable singing. But before I used to hate that shit, I would never do it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hate it just because you were self-conscious about? Yeah, a little bit, notes, a or? little bit. Yeah, because I really wanted to. I really wanted to sing on my records, but I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can. Man. I sound like shit. <laughs> And uh, I remember the first song when I linked with Zach that I tried singing. It just was not. I was like yelling in the mic. They was just not going. <laughs> but, uh, you know, through trial and error and working on it, it sounds good now. It's definitely, uh, again, it's unique to you. Like nobody yeah. else sounds like, like that sound. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're not the on the radio squeaky clean nah, singing. Hell no. But like. <laughs> It's also not like, oh, damn, like it's like somebody's skinning a cat, you know, yeah. like it's your own unique. And on each song, you kind of, I don't know if it's the way that they produce it, but like your voice kind of takes on a lot of different sounds and a lot of different uh, tones. No, that was just like playing. So like one of the criticisms that I've heard like from from this one dude um, was um, when he listened to my project, he was like, not this new one, but my last one, he was like, uh, uh, I just don't hear a lot of uh, he needs to play with his voice more. He's you know He's kind of doing the same thing with his voice. So that was like something I took to heart like on this song. I was like, all right, bet bet right like, I, You know cuz I knew uh, I always hated my voice when I whenever I recorded music I just it, didn't. It's such a weird ever since I started <laughs> doing podcasting I'm sure you had the same feeling too where for 10 20 30 years you thought your voice sounded one way yeah. when you hear it recorded you're like that's what I really sound like yeah. oh man yeah, so that was that took some getting used to. I fucking hated it. I hated it. And then uh, as just recording more and performing with people more and like performing in front of people more, like people would always say that they would just be like, "Bro, your voice is unique." Like I fuck with it, right. I like it, you know. And then you know, I kind of, you know, started liking it. I was like, "All right, man, I can do a bunch of different shit with it." So that's what I tried to do on this album. Nice. Uh, do you know Scuff Mixon? Yeah. Well, I don't know him personally, but um, you know his music though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's another one, kind of in the same right of like that. The, his sound, nobody else sounds like that. His yeah, version I've of just singing. I've just been. He just did that collab project with uh, Blockhead. Yeah, yeah. How'd you like that? It's my dude. Oh, I fucking love it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite projects out of Cleveland so far. 
Blocking. There's been a lot of bro. There's been a, there's so many dope ass artists in Cleveland. Like there's been so much good music. Like I just made a post yet the other day. Like just all my favorite like Cleveland projects that have come. I out. think I saw that. It, it was like your top five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, tones of what to come. That shit was beautiful. Super intimate. Loved it. Um, yeah, scuffs and blockheads project. Uh, West will. I just recently got hit to West Will. I think I seen my homie Tim post them one time and I listened to it and mm -hmm. it was fire. And then Kip uh, Stone's project was dope as fuck. And I met them at a show. They saw me perform. Him and Nuke or whatever. And I fuck with Nuke too. Yeah, Nuke was on the show. Uh, it was a funny thing too was uh, we did a, ly a lyric test uh, kind of just, you know, with a lot of different rappers, you know, you go one way or another. But I was doing a lyric test with them and Nuke's on, on camera and Kip's just off the camera. And I, I paused it right at a spot of a much older song in his catalog, and Nuke is just like, you see the gerbil going, and Kip's over there like, if you want to phone a friend, I know it. <laughs> like, it's great to see guys that are both as talented as they are, just kind of just, they feed off each other. Yeah, yeah. If there's a song with one of them individually, it's great, but then when you put both of them on a track, it's just completely different. Yeah, that was, that's what was, uh, I feel like that's some when I joined Feed the People, that's something that just changed, like, my progression completely because i started like you know when you're around them great ass artists and artists that you're inspired by and you're like damn man this, you know you you just get better you know you just right. you don't want to be the weakest one in the group, <laughs> you know nobody wants to be the weakest yeah, one hell right? no oh uh, let's move into what can you tell us about downhill that's one of my favorite songs off the record it's probably not my favorite song but it's one of my favorite songs because i feel like it just starts the album out like I think it's the second song on the album. It, it just, like, comes in. It's, like, one of them in-your-face, like, just, like... And I feel like it encapsulates the whole album completely. And um, so it started out as a beat by Zoe, and uh, I ended up not liking what I recorded on the beat. And uh, this dude hit me up on Instagram. His name's 36 Samurai. Hit me up on Instagram. He's like, yo, I listen to your music. I'll fuck with it. And uh, he's like, yo, can I send you some beats? I was like, yeah, man, of course. So he sent them, and that was, that beat was one of the ones that were in the pack. And I knew I had to record on that shit. And uh, when I recorded the first verse, the hook, um, it was a cool song. You know, it was a cool song, but it was missing something. And I ended up writing a second verse. And Zach, all, the whole second half of the song is Zach playing bass and guitar on, on the record. And... Uh, I feel like that just added a little more depth to the song and made it sound a lot bigger. Um, but yeah, I, I like the the way that kind of kicks off the record. Um, got some bars in there. Some bars. Let's go a quick, quick little bit through it. It starts off very like... Uh, yeah, it's got a Funkadelic um, sample in there too. Right there. It, it's to me. That's I. I see. Uh, what's the? I'm trying to think of the House Falls on or uh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. It's, it's very Wizard. Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Ozzy. Alice in Wonderland. That's my shit. It's actually, yo. You want to know what's funny? If you go halfway through the songs, it's got the uh, the witch from the Wizard of Oz. Does it? Yeah. Yep. Right at the transition. This is one of the uh, longer songs that I've listened to in, in, a, in a while. Is it, 
are you conscious when you're making a song of the length of it or is it kind of just whatever it takes to get the thought out nah i don't care um i know like we're in like a microwave generation like a lot of people's songs are like barely two minutes that, that kills touching three i don't nah i don't really care about that shit. that was something i really thought about i was like damn man all these songs are like 4 30 like but i didn't care like i was like man because if I was to take anything away from the songs, it would just, like, right. water it down and be boring as fuck. I was like, nah, man, I'm just going to make whatever the hell I want to make. If it's five minutes, six minutes, it don't matter. As right. long as it's compelling and it's keeps, as long as it keeps, you know, the song gets interesting. Because I can understand when a song is, like, five minutes long can be boring as fuck because it don't take any twists and turns. It's just, right. you know, straight ahead, narrow as hell. So, like, with these songs, I try to do a bunch of different shit, like, you know. I think, too, with what I was thinking, because I noticed that, like you said, that you're right around the four-minute mark on a lot of different things, where mm -hmm. knowing, too, that you like to do those really interesting visuals and things like that, to have a longer song gives you the ability to tell more of a story and a visual as well, I would think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it gives you a lot more room to work with. But, I don't know, I've always been a fan of just, like, long songs. Right. Nothing wrong with that. No, hell no. Um, Keep it interesting. <laughs> I think the only other one that we didn't uh, cover that we needed to was uh, it's, it's All Good Till It's Bad, right? Yeah, love what, that song. What can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, that's one of the that's one of my favorite songs off the album. They're all your favorite. Yeah, I know. They're man. all your that's babies. What sucks. You can't, you can't really pick. <laughs> that's what's crazy. Like next week, it's gonna be some other shit. But yeah, I mean that's the beauty of making music, man. Like I love all the songs on this record but this song in particularly um it was a struggle to like put together um we just couldn't i, I just could not figure out like the i wrote this song like a year ago mm -hmm. i think i i had the verses and the hooks all done all written and then uh but i didn't have the beat i didn't have the beat for this one and then i ended up getting it from blue magic again in that beat pack he sent me and uh when we first did it i was on the hook i did all my vocals on the hook and uh i did the verses and it was just not it wasn't it was missing something it wasn't hitting you know how it should mm. you know this i feel like this one the more like introspective songs and it just it just wasn't hitting on the hooks like it should and uh zoe was working with uh our dude uh cam stevens and uh super talented dude uh he put out a project and I listened to his project. And I was like, oh, yo, this is the one. Like, I need this dude on this song. Mm -hmm. Like, he would he would fit it. He would bring it to add that color to it, the texture. Uh, I love the way his voice sound. It was like a little raspy and smoky. I was like, that's perfect. So I hit him up. I sent him the song. He was like, he, he was like, all right, bet, bro. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it. And he hit me back. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm down. I'm down. And so we linked up at his engineer, uh, Neek's house. And uh, he knocked out the hook or whatever. And it was easy. You know, it was easy. I love them sessions when it's just like you just go in, you know what it is. You knock it out in 20 minutes. And then he got Wingstop for everybody. Smashing. <laughs> and uh, Wingstop, if you hear that, we would need a sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, getting his voice and his inflections on the song instead of mine, you know, I feel like was one of them moments for me personally where it's like. Because everything before that was all me, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But with this project, I wanted to collaborate a little more. I wanted to get more people on it. And uh, that was one of the sessions that, like, made me happy that I did that. Like, 
he sounds way better than me on this and <laughs> it makes the song much better and then um we were about done wrapping the album up a couple like a couple weeks ago and uh we were kind of going i was coming up here and we were kind of me and zach were kind of going over the last couple things and um andrea really wanted to get on it and uh that's uh the singer the woman the female voice on there and uh i was all for it i was like hell yeah because i knew she would sound good with cam and mm. i wanted to hear that and she threw her vocals on there and it just elevated the song so much better like because i feel like the album didn't have that like it had all these bops and good vibes and it was kind of taking you on the journey but it didn't have that climactic moment you know what i'm saying on the record yet and i feel like that song was kind of it um in the placement that we put it at and just mm -hmm. how we did everything it was it was the collect climactic moment that the record needed gotcha let's go through it real quick see if anything else pops out to you this is jim morrison So before right now we have a female voice there, but before that it no, was No, that's Cam. Oh really? Yeah. That's a high ass note. Yeah, he's killing it, bro. That's he's a high a note. dog. He's a dog. I'm no disrespect to him. You hit a high bro, ass shout note. Shout out Cam. There. You're a dog, bro. <laughs> nah, for real. Someone else said that too. I think my girlfriend said that. And I was like, nah, that's Cam, bro. He's killing it. That's crazy. Yeah. He's cold. Now that's real guitar we have on there, or is that sound? Yeah, that's Zach. That's Zach playing guitar. It used to be a saxophone, but we took that out. And Zach played the guitar on it. How do you know when it's the right time to use real music or real instruments opposed to going with the digital and going that route? Uh, if I had the access to it, would be fucking real instruments all around. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, uh, that's something I'm still trying to tap into, just like, you know, knowing what songs need real instruments. I'm tr like with this album, I feel like we incorporated a decent amount of real instruments, but you know, that's something I'm trying to do a lot more. I just kind of got to get my, you know, my reach out there a little more, Right. you know, but I've been, I've been building that up now. I got like four people that play guitar <laughs> that could easily throw some shit on a record. I think that really makes a big difference on a record. I mean, like, oh. Like you could definitely kind of you could, not always can you tell if it's done properly, but like it, it adds that that uh, human feeling back. Yeah, into it. man. Like and yeah, that's something I definitely want to do more is just get work with actual musicians and work together. Like I I've I love collaborating now, and that's something I definitely want to do a lot more. Um, there's just so many dope ass artists, even locally, just so many good artists that I would love to work with. It's it's amazing to me with the podcast how many local artists there are. Oh, there's a fuck ton. It's like, crazy. Like it's insane how many people are either making music or making paintings or yeah, you bro, know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I haven't even met everybody in the city, but the ones that I have, like I've met a lot, and the ones that I have are just raw as fuck. They're right. Just crazy good at what they do. Um, let's kind of wrap this down. We're a little bit over an hour, which is all right. Um, is there any anything that we didn't cover that you think we should cover? Or any songs um, that you want to bring back up that we didn't uh, hit all the way through? I think we did the only. I got one other topic that I've, I've, I could think of that we want to go through, but um, anything on your end that, that we left out? Nah, bro, we covered everything. Um, 
I, I am going to take the last question to we had um, with the dirty backpack interview. We had uh, you're going to be a, a rap uncle, but uh, you've recently become a rap dad. Yeah. Ha has there has there been any oh, yeah. a, any changes in your process of the stuff that you make, the stuff that you put out ever since you became a dad, or that you knew that 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 was coming? Uh, yeah. When I found out I was about to be a dad, uh, two weeks after my last project, and uh, I've kind of always been like a goofy ass dude. Like I take everything like everything's funny to me you know mm -hmm. i don't take anything too serious so when i found out i was being dad i laughed because i thought it was i was happy you know what i'm saying i've always loved kids i always wanted to be a dad but uh i think it was also like a kind of scared laugh you know just kind of like and one of the things was like damn i don't know how music is gonna fit into this you know i don't know what that's gonna look like so there was a couple of dudes rap dads who are out there um, that I talked to to kind of ask them like man how do you balance your art and music and being a father mm -hmm. and they all pretty much said man it just you just got to figure it out when it happens like as you're going through it you got to figure it out and um, that's literally what you have to do man you can't explain to people like how yo this is how you balance being a dad and right. making music or making your art or whatever like no nah, you just got to do this shit and it's hard as fuck like it's not easy um the only times I would get to myself to write and shit was sitting in the car, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm very much one of them people that need space to think and like process shit and just trying to work on shit. So the fact I didn't have my own space anymore was something that, you know, was a hard adjustment. Mm -hmm. But, um, nah, man, this dad shit's been fun. And uh, it made me a lot more like, all right, bro, like it's now, like you gotta, you know do this shit now right you gotta get up and if you want to do this shit you gotta do it now like it made me a lot more um aggressive um in making music and like trying to make quality shit you know not wasting any time on some weak shit you know right like, i was trying to make the best shit i could i i called zach that night and i was like bro like you know what I just said like bro it's now like I'm about to be a dad man that was the first person I called I was like bro I just found out but I'm about to be a dad like it's now or never like I got you know whatever I gotta do if I gotta drive out you know to wherever to record like you know I'm not trying to work with no one else like right. you know I'm down to do whatever and uh yeah that's kind of what happened I'm thankful you know I got a um you know baby mama that's like supports me you know what I'm saying like supports what I'm doing and um, you know, there are them times where it's like a little struggle, you know, where it's like, ah, man, I probably shouldn't go out there. Like, I don't like staying away from home too long, you right. know, away from my son too long. Cause I start feeling some type of way. Like I'm not, you know, it's just a me thing. I start feeling some type like, man, I'm not, mm, I should probably be home right now mm. with my son. But, uh, yeah, it made me a lot more mature, a lot more aggressive on what I want to get done and. It's been cool. Yeah, it's cool. I love it. Absolutely. The way that I end every interview, I'm going to get up. I'm going to reposition the camera. We call this the digital soapbox. You're going to get one minute to end the interview on any note that you want, whether you want to use it as a promotional, let everybody know where you're at, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. But let's get the camera dead on you. Yo, what's up, everybody? My name's Peso, man. You can follow me on Instagram at, at SmilePeso. Uh, uh, you can hit me up on Spotify, Apple Music. Um... Follow me on Twitter at Smile Peso. Uh, make sure you check out the album. It's coming out December 11th. 
uh, be sure to look for that a lot of cool ass shit coming um just stay tuned man just stay tuned shout out colin conversations man